Hello and welcome to Middle Church Online. I am Natalie, I'm the digital minister here. We are so glad you are joining us. Thank you so much for coming. It is Communion Sunday, so I hope you have you know, something to drink, something to eat to serve as your elements. Um, you can also head down to Middle at 1 p.m. today to receive communion. Um, but let's get on into our worship. But before we do, let's take a deep centering breath. And let us worship God together. great things happening at Middle. Today, we're celebrating a day of action. We will be in front of the church at 112 Second Avenue between 6th and 7th Streets in New York City. Come join us from 1 to 2 p.m. and receive communion from a Middle clergy. You can also register to vote or send someone you know who needs to register. From one to three, you can also complete the census. It is so important that we make sure that everyone in New York City is counted in the census. Remember when I talked about the virtual voter workshops at Middle? Well, we have planned two Freedom Labs. The first will be held on September 17th from 7 to 8.30 p.m. It's called the Democratic Participation and Voting in Troubled Times. The second Freedom Lab 
Understanding the Battle for the Soul of the Nation is scheduled for October 1st. Please register for both Freedom Labs. Finally, on September 21st and 22nd at 7 p.m., the middle players will have their fall play. For more information about these events and ways that you can get involved, go to middlechurch.org slash virtual gathering. I invite you now to find your posture of prayer. For some, it's feet on the ground and shoulders square. For others, it's hands clasped or arms raised to the heavens. But just as you are, please come. Let us pray. Most holy and loving God, we come before you saying, what a week, what a month, what a year even. And so we breathe and we pause. Thank you for giving us a time and space that we can come and lift our hands and lift our hearts to you. That we can lay all things bare before you and before each other and know that we are safe. We come asking for your peace, asking for your guidance that you might give us hope in a world that seems so broken a world where black and brown bodies don't matter, a world where millions of people are threatened to lose their homes when a virus can run rampant and testing and the wearing of masks just don't seem to matter. We pray for our world and when we can't find the words, we pause and breathe. Help us in these times to remember you, O oh God, Help us to remember that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. We need your joy. We need your love more now than ever. And we need each other. So come, Holy Spirit, come. Amen. Now let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. An inclusive version is on the screen. Ever loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the reign and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Hi, from Manhattan, sending the love and the peace from Antoine Hopper to all members and everyone out there with a heart. I love you. La paz sea con vosotros. Peace be with you. Amen. Yuan Zhu Go Ping On, Yu Lei Tong Joy. Que la gracia y paz de Dios esté con todos ustedes. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Good morning. Peace be with you. Oh look, a hand! May the peace of God be with you. Morning, friends. Peace be with you. Peace be with you, middle family. Love you. Peace be with you. Carry it to the ones you love. Hello, my middle brothers and sisters. Elizabeth here. I'm wishing you so much peace. We are in Inwood, and we are wishing you peace this morning. Peace be with you, middle family. This is Bianca. I'm out in Brooklyn, breathing with you and wishing you peace. Ah, si te quiero mucho. Here you go. 
telling me softly You love me so The peaceful valley Just over the mountain Peaceful valley, few come to know. I may never get there ever in this lifetime, but sooner or later. Strike the land of Egypt. 
Holy God, you are as mysterious as the wind. Our minds cannot contain you, and yet we yearn to understand you. Thank you for creating in us an intuition. Thank you that you gave us your Holy Spirit, which guides us. We remember that your word became flesh and dwelt among us. Dwell among us again today. It is in your loving name we pray. Amen. I was raised in a Hispanic Catholic church. And yes, the distinction of it being Hispanic is very important. We were a lively bunch of people. I remember preparing for my first communion. At the end of our CCD class, we had to do our first confession with a priest before we could take our communion. I remember sitting silently in front of this larger-than-life, robed, white-haired man for what felt like 20 minutes. I didn't say a word. I knew that I could not be honest with this guy. So rather than confess my real sins, I lied. Surely my sins were far too much for him to handle, and it would be better for the both of us if I fabricated some mid-level sin. I wonder how many times since then I haven't trusted who I am and what I know to be true. How have you ever felt like you aren't worth trusting too? In our text, the Israelites are about to obey Moses and Aaron's commands to slay a lamb as an offering and plate blood over the entrances of their doors. But what's more impressive than that is that in our scene, Moses and Aaron trust what they heard from God. They move past the discomfort of their uncertainties and lean into what their intuition is telling them, that God has a righteous passion for justice. God will execute God's judgment, even if that means something must die or fall away. In this story, both oppression and the justice of God collide against one another to where they could never exist on the same plane. So often, God's message is not heard through reason. The Western world, or better said, Countries made up of primarily white people who center men have created a theology that we must reason our way to God. That our emotions are fickle and our logical mind is superior. This has turned into a difficulty in being able to truly lean into your intuition when you actually don't trust what it's telling you. I'm convinced that trusting your intuition feels more like jumping into swampy waters than it does a clear pathway. Until you realize that the ground underneath is more sure and solid than you could have ever imagined. And there is where you find an assurance that you are in line with the will of God. I thought I'd quickly address the part that says, the Israelites should eat the lamb with their loins girded, their crocs on, 
and their staff in their hand. It's a weird scripture. And then they had to eat the lamb with herbs and unleavened bread. Some Jewish commentaries say that this posture would have shown the confidence the Israelites had in God's assistance and what they were about to embark on. That the herbs represent the exile which embittered the Israelites' lives. That the unleavened bread was like the suddenness of the exodus, which did not allow their dough to rise in enough time. The fact that God passed over their houses was a major element of redemption. As we move into what's probably the most problematic aspect of the text, we find it aligns with the injustice that we see in our world. This injustice, human intuition knows to be evil, but it's eclipsed by pride and self-interest so that our intuition is clouded. God says that God will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn, giving the justification that God is Lord. First, how accurate of a text to mention death and brutality as we see it in our world. How confusing and frightening of a text to say that God and God alone was the executor of such death. And while I can't give you a justification that I feel good about as to why God would kill people, even when those people are oppressing others, I know that it is in God alone, that it is God and God alone that intertwines mercy and justice. When the Israelites fled from Egyptian bondage, they were breaking the law. They knew that what was legal was not right. In these moments, we are led to act in certain ways because our intuition tells us that what has been codified is not of God. This reminds me of the reparations task force I've been able to collaborate on for the summer, which will carry on throughout the year at Middle. Middle Church has deep ties with the displacement, enslavement, and abuse of people. And this has been permissible for hundreds of years. And we certainly know it's not moral. We found a letter written by the first Dutch Reformed Church minister in New Amsterdam in 1628. He writes about Angle enslaved women who he viciously stole from their land to clean his house and take care of his children, to which they proudly refused. We find this record written by a white racist man and we find uh, the survival stories of these women and their strategies of triumph. Slavery was legal, but they would not accept it as moral. This minister also goes on to speak ill of the indigenous people he encountered. His job was to force the Lenape people to convert to Christianity, but they brilliantly evaded this. They refused to teach the Europeans their full language. Instead, they taught them a special elementary level 
of their words and their hand signals. This way, they could freely speak in front of white people and not be understood. They saw white supremacy was normalized, but it would not be accepted as moral. The Israelites obeyed God in the twilight. They took the sacrificed lamb's blood and put it on the entrance of their homes. And God delivered on its protection. You see, human instinct is real, and God's spirit is real. And contrary to what feels to be true, I don't believe that our hearts are always, or even most times, in tension with the will of God. Your emotions matter, and it is holy to embrace your autonomy and lean into what you think and what you feel is right. The author of the Book of Romans says, the consciousness of the Gentiles bears witness. This inner judge of our deeds implies a standard to a law in which the Gentiles are held accountable, which meant that they're responsible if they ignored where God was leading them. And we hold that same responsibility. We are responsible for the people we did not intend to mistreat. We are responsible, as the Egyptians were, to heed the many warnings of God. We know because the God inside of us has told us. You see, the law in our hearts knows what love looks like because we bear the image of God. And we are a repository for the Holy Spirit. God guides us to know what's trustworthy. The good news is, Jesus also found himself in positions where he couldn't trust his intuition. Although he knew he was going to heaven, it was hard for him to leave earth. And although he felt God's absence, he knew that God's presence could be found somewhere. You see, God would not have endowed us with reason if he didn't want us to use it. Emotions are our most finely tuned responses, and they come far before our logic or reasoning skills ever could, even as we feel more in control believing that we can train ourselves to be perfectly reasonable. God would not have gifted us with finely tuned emotional responses if they didn't tell us something valuable about the situations that we're in. And if God didn't want us to heed their warnings or follow them, know that as you begin to give weight to your inner leanings, there is a freedom that can only be found in God. Some of the residue of the freezing and rationalizing that I experienced as an eight-year-old in front of that priest occasionally returns. It happens when I'm in front of someone that I revere, or I feel the need to be pleasing, or prove myself, or like I have to be perfect. But that story that I told myself that day, that I wasn't enough, or that I was too flawed, prevented me from receiving the 
grace that God had for me. And feeding that narrative is not just neutral, it's harmful. For the Israelites, it would have meant losing a beloved part of their inheritance. For us, it would mean risking our freedom and creativity in a way that causes us pain. Hi everybody, my name is Sandra Santana. I started coming to Middle in 2012. I'm not going to tell you about how I came to Middle, but I'm gonna tell you why I stayed. When I came here, I don't know exactly what I was looking for, but it found me. Being part of the choir has transformed my life and it helped me to find myself. On Thursdays, pre-COVID, we gathered in the evening, and John and Dion always had a way of making us feel connected to what we were singing. In that little room is a community of love, hope, and God. Because of COVID, we met on Zoom, and I gotta be honest, it was a little hard, but I learned that nothing gets in the way of God's purpose, and we were together. I feel that music mends you in all the broken spaces that no one sees. I am a part of a community that brings hope. And I am so honored to be part of Middle Collegiate Church and honored to be part of the legacy that is the Jerice Johnson Gospel Choir. I know a lot of us are sick and tired and lonely, sad scared, angry, even a little desperate. But when I see what our community is doing to help to restore my faith. We are a community that does not mind their own business because we know that what happens to one human being affects the whole world. And it feels good to know that I am not alone that you are not alone. We are hurting, but together we can heal. Sometimes our songs are not joyous ones. Sometimes they're sad ones. And whatever it is, sing on. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song. We need you. We need your love. We need your commitment. We need your donations. Here for ways in which you can donate middlechurch.org, Facebook, hit the donate button. You can text and you can also Venmo. Thank you so much. I love you, middle, and I miss you dearly.
Let us pray. Bless these gifts, O God, to be used for thy will and purpose. May this money, along with our time and our talents, aid in bringing your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Hey, Middle family. Amanda, Marlene, and I invite you to commune with us as we commune with the living God. Friends, many of you are all alone. You're stuck indoors, or maybe you're sharing your space with little people and there are trucks and dolls all around your feet. Or maybe your office is your bedroom and you never know in which room you're really working. Or maybe you are on the subway with your mask on and on the way to work wondering if you're six feet away from the people around you. Maybe you're blessed and you get to work at home, but you're totally zoomed out. Or maybe you're an essential worker, but you're underpaid. Or perhaps you are on your way back to school or back to work and you're wondering if it's safe to go. All of those feelings are real. All of those feelings belong to God. Nothing gets between you and God. Not any of those feelings. Yes, Jackie, I think this is one of the reasons why Jesus shared the meal with his friends, to remind us that God is up close, listening to our prayers and our cries, our laughter and our tears, breaking bread, being intimate with God. Jesus said, this is my body, broken, for you. Hmm. When you eat it, remember me. Jackie and Amanda, it's so wonderful to share this with you today. And this is why Jesus shared the cup with his friends. Even if we feel like it, we are never forsaken. This is the cup of the new covenant poured for forgiveness. When you drink it, do so remembering me. Whether you're communing today, friends, with waffles, challah, muffins, or rice crackers, this is the bread of life. And whether the cup you share is a coffee or a mimosa or white wine, this is also the cup of blessing. Remember that God will always love you and will never leave you. Jackie and everyone watching at home, the bread of life for you and the cup of blessing for you. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God.
enjoyed worship as much as I did. And as we wind worship to a close, I offer you these words of blessing. May the Spirit of God be so close to you, breathing in and through you and around you like the breeze right now. May you feel God's intimate love for you so profoundly that it gives you such peace, more peace than you can ever imagine. Amen.